I like your pastor a lot, in case you didn't know. He's very, very dear to my heart. Very dear to my heart. He's a good man. He has a good heart. Very dependable. Very faithful. And he just has such a sweet spirit. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah. Has a wonderful family. A wonderful wife. You want to make her... Just put your hands together for that woman that stands beside him. Praise God. You know, as a couple... They are very, very dear to us in Rema. And thank you, sir, for the privilege afforded me to be here and um, for us just to learn the word of God together and be blessed. Now, um, he spoke to me about the theme for the month, about prosperity. And um, in praying and um, studying, getting set for the today's service, I seemed to feel impressed in my heart to share with us along a certain line. Now, you might want to title this Seven Important Things About Prosperity. Seven Important Things About Prosperity. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take uh, the first three or four of them in the first service that I'm going to conclude in the second service. Well, if you want to stay for the second service for that reason, well, praise God. But you know, you can also get them the CD. Uh, and then for those in the second service, I'll do a recap of the things I said in the first. Praise God. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, oh, such a delight, such a honor, such a privilege indeed to be in your family. To the world, you may be God. To the sinner, you may be judge. But you are Father to us thank you because you're such a loving father we've come once again today to mingle our voices together in prayer in praise in adoration for your loving kindnesses and your tender mercies that are forever ours thank you for opening up your word to our spirits our hearts are proposed our minds determined we won't just be hearers of the word alone but we'll be doers of the same Thank you because as a result of your word coming to us and which we put into practice, we prosper as well. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' matchless name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, seven important things about prosperity. First is this. It is God's will that we prosper. It is God's will that we prosper. Turn with me to 3 John. 3 John. There's only one chapter. 3 John. The first and only chapter there. And the second verse. The Bible says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, the word wish here, the margin, there's a number two. This is a Cambridge reference edition. It's a King James Version. The, the margin says, I pray above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. You see, faith begins where the will of God is known. And really, we can't believe beyond actual knowledge. If we are not sure that God wants us to prosper, we're going to have a hard time prospering. And um, the devil has sold that lie to the church. You know, that having these world's goods you know here people say these world's goods yeah, i don't want to have any of these world's goods as if there's something wrong with these world's goods and um people have believed that especially in the church world you know uh, some folks take an oath of poverty in the name of piety and um we have this idea that if you're serving god You've got to drive a rickety car. Your clothes must be torn and tattered. You must be wretched. You must be without. But that's a big lie from the pits of hell. Yes, God doesn't want us to be money-minded. That's a fact. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. God doesn't want us to be materialistic. God doesn't want us to be covetous. Amen. But listen. He wants us prosperous. He doesn't want money to have us, but he wants us to have money. He wants us to prosper on all sides. Now, um, 
I know this is the theme, being the theme for the month. And um, I know uh, your pastor, great man of the word, he will have emphasized uh, about spiritual prosperity, about physical prosperity. I just seem to be impressed in my heart to lean more along the lines of financial prosperity. The fact that God wants us to prosper materially. He wants us to prosper financially. It's the will of God. You see, in um, Psalm 84, verse 11, the Bible says the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory. It says, no good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's what the word says. No good thing shall he withhold from them that walk uprightly. In Job 36, verse 11, the Bible says if they will obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Does that sound like a God who wants us broke? In Isaiah 119, it says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He didn't say they shall be taken away from you. He said they'll be added. They'll be added. In Philippians 4.19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need, all your need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians 8.9, it says, So we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might become rich. So God wants us rich. When was Jesus poor? You know, some people will say, well, Jesus was poor spiritually. No, stop that nonsense. How was he poor spiritually? Raising the dead. How was he poor spiritually? No, Jesus wasn't poor spiritually. Jesus, in his earth walk, his needs were met. His wants were supplied. He had 12 disciples. You know, the Bible says he that does not provide for his own, especially those of his house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, we know that Peter had a mother-in-law, so he was married. And we know his mother-in-law was staying with him. So, he had dependents, isn't it? And um, these guys left their fishing business. They left everything they were doing. We know that uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they used to be fishermen. Andrew and Peter, the same thing. But they left that. They followed Jesus. And then they had families. They had mouths to feed. But yet, all their needs were met. Jesus had 12 disciples. One of them was a thief, Judas. The person that was holding the money was a thief. And yet, they lacked nothing. That doesn't look like a poor man. When he was being crucified, they fought, you know, they cast lots, Roman soldiers. Now, it's like, it's like um, you know, in Nigeria, there used to be this thing about when they'll take criminals to the bar beach and they'll shoot them. Let's imagine that American soldiers were there and then there was this criminal who was going to be shot, executed at the bar beach. And that American soldiers that were there, they now saw what the person wore and they began to almost fight over, no, I'm the one that's going to take it. I'm the one that's going to take it. And they decide to cast lots to, to do, oh yeah, let's toss coin. Heads I win, tails you lose. You know, who takes the, the cloth? It was seamless. That doesn't sound like a poor man. Yes, I know he wasn't materialistic. He wasn't flamboyant. But his needs were met. Not just his needs. His wants were supplied. You see, God wants us rich. Now, does that mean we are all going to be millionaires or billionaires? Not necessarily. You can be a millionaire and a broke one. It's not about being a millionaire. It's not about being a billionaire. The word rich means a full supply. It means abundant provision. Let me ask you, what is good about not being able to pay your children's school fees? Yeah, tell me. What's good about it? What is good about not being able to pay your house rent and your landlord has given you quick notice? Tell me, what's spiritual about that? What's good about that? Does that make God look good? What's good about you can't eat good food and your children are sick because they're not eating enough protein? What's spiritual about that? What's godly about that? That can't be God. That can't be God. So God wants us rich. He wants us rich. When was Jesus poor? On the cross. 
on the cross. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God made Jesus to be sin for us on the cross. That's when God laid our diseases upon him. That's when God laid our lack upon him. That's when he was made a curse for us. And why was he made poor? So that we might be rich. God wants us rich. See, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. The Bible says, and God is able to make all grace, all grace abound towards you. So that you having always all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. He wants us to have all sufficiency in all things. He wants us to abound to every good work. Let me ask you, have there been times as a church, your pastor was um, talking about a project that the church wanted to do. And then he said, well, the amount for this project is such and such. And something on the inside of you just said, ah, this project. Hey, and I wish I could just send a note to pastor and say, pastor, leave that thing. How much is the thing? 20 million. Talk about something else, you know, and just send a check for the whole thing. Have you ever felt like that? Hey, why are you feeling like that? Is your born again spirit? You're born again. Something inside of you wants to be a blessing to other people. And that's the essence of being rich. It's not so that we can amass stuff. It's so that we can be a blessing. It's so that the cause of Christ can be advanced. It's really about reaching the lost. God gives us power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8.18 That he might establish his covenant with us. It's all about the gospel. He wants us rich. He wants us rich. He wants us rich. Now, ah, people that have children, when your children look good, how do you feel? They're dressed well. Their shoes are well. Their clothes are well. Don't you feel good? Sometimes, don't you prefer, even if you can wear the latest baths, but your kids can look very fine and look very good, how do you feel? You feel like, that's my son. <laughs> and everybody's like, wow, wow. You see, God is a, is a father too. Matthew 7, 11, If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your father in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So God wants us to have the good things of life. He wants us prosperous. He wants it to be well with us. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the blessing of Abraham is to come upon us. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Well, what's the curse of the law? There's no other way to find out than to go to the law and find out what its curse is. Well, if you read the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, we discover that the consequence for breaking God's law was threefold. The first part of it was spiritual death. We see that in Genesis 2.17. The second part of it was sickness and disease. We see that in Deuteronomy 28.61. The third part of it was poverty. Poverty is a curse. Poverty is a curse. Poverty is not a blessing. Let me ask you a question. Who poverty help? Who help? Has he helped anybody yet? Has poverty made you be a blessing to anybody yet? It's a curse. It's a curse. It's a curse. Let's look at Deuteronomy 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want us to see this and see it clearly. You see, the devil has hoodwinked the church. He has sold us that dummy, sold us that lie. And many of us believe it. And somehow we just think this prosperity thing, you know. I'm sure some people, when pastor announced that this month, the theme is prosperity. Some people almost cringe. Prosperity. Prosperity. Hey, beginning of the year. Can't we talk about how to pray more? Yes, God wants us to talk about how to pray more. Pastor has been teaching you how to pray more. Teaching it all these years. Look, God wants us prosperous. There was a pandemic. Many people's finances, their 
businesses were terribly affected last year. Yeah. God wants us to get better economically. And that's why he laid it on his heart for the church to be taught this at the very start of the year. Deuteronomy 28. I'll read from verse 15. It says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Cursed, now he's not talking about you, he's talking about that person. Cursed shall thou be in the city, and cursed shall thou be in the field. Cursed shall be thy basket and thy store. Thy basket looks like your wallet, your purse. Your store, that's talking about where you keep things, your bank account. <laughs> Verse 18. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land. Most of these guys, they were farmers. They planted crops. They raised animals. So that was uh, how they lived. That was the work most of them did. And the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind, the flocks of thy sheep. Cursed shall thou be when thou comest in, and cursed shall thou be when thou goest out. Now, if this is not uh, poverty, then I don't know what poverty is. Go to verse 38. It says, Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field, and shalt gather but little in, for the locust shall consume it. Thou shalt plant vineyards and dress them, but shall neither drink of the wine, nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with the oil, for thine olive shall cast its fruit. Now that's poverty. Poverty. Walk like an elephant. Eat like an ant. That's poverty. And that's not the will of God. That's not the plan of God. That's not what God wants. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spiritual faith. Part of the blessing of Abraham. In Genesis 13 verse 2. You know God uh, started dealing, walking with uh, Abraham. Started walking with God in Genesis 12. We get to Genesis 13 verse 2. And the Bible says Abraham was very rich. And in case you're thinking that he was rich in spiritual resources, it tells us what he was rich in. Now, we ought to put the spiritual first, no doubt. Amen. But Abraham was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. You see, silver and gold was their means of exchange, was money. Cattle, he was talking about that he was rich materially and financially. He had cow. You know cow? Kudi. Ego. That one that when you call it, you know, you, you bend your mouth. Oh, Money. Yes. God wants us rich. Hey, talking about money in church. Should we be talking about money in church? As if, as if, when tomorrow comes now, you won't start working for it from morning, some people from morning to night. You know, why do we sometimes just deceive ourselves about this? Listen, God wants us rich. It's the will of God. He wants us prosperous. He wants us prosperous. He wants our needs met. Somebody said, no, it's only our needs that God promised to meet, not our wants. I asked the person, I said, can you read Psalm 23 verse 1? What does it say? It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Psalm 34, he said, young lions do lack and suffer hunger. He said, but those who seek the Lord shall want no good thing. Want no good thing. So both our needs and our wants. You see, what does rich mean? Rich means a full supply. Rich means abundant provision. That's what God wants us to have. He wants us rich. So that's the first point. Like I said, we're looking at seven important things about prosperity. We said, number one, it is the will of God that we prosper. That's his will. That's his will. Number two, and I want us to pay attention to this second point. There are qualifications for walking in prosperity. 
there are qualifications for walking in prosperity. There are qualifications. Prosperity doesn't just happen. There are qualifications. Many people don't qualify to prosper. And that's why they aren't prospering. Because they don't qualify. Now in Colossians chapter 1 verse 12, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet, or who has made us able, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Another translation says, who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. So yes, God has qualified us by uh, recreating our spirits. When we accepted Jesus into our hearts and got born again, we were qualified by God. But you see, there's a Godward side and there's a manward side. There are certain responsibilities we have. If we're going to be able to experience this inheritance, this material prosperity, financial prosperity that God wants us to enjoy. And the qualifications are simple. I'll just highlight three main ones of them. Talking about qualifications for prosperity. Number one, esteem earthly things lightly. Esteem earthly things lightly. If you want to prosper in God, you can't put money first. You can't put money first. You can't. If you really want to prosper and prosper the way God wants you to prosper, you can't afford to be materialistic. You can't. You can't. We must esteem earthly things lightly. Esteem earthly things lightly. In um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, But seek ye first, not second, not third, not last, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. The Bible says, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we're to seek first, first. Put first things first. You know, sometimes some people get a new job, you know, and um, because they're going to get a greater pay. But that job will mean that they can't be in church on Sunday morning. That job will mean that team that little. He considered the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Is it not interesting that God now used Moses to humble Pharaoh? Imagine if that was what he went for and then God raised somebody else. Maybe he would have been among the people that perished. Do you see that? So we must esteem earthly things lightly. Don't put money first. Never put money first. Always have learned to put money last. Money is important. It has its place, but it's not first place. Yeah. What about God? What about family? Have I considered how my taking this step will affect my family? How will it affect my involvement with church, with the things of God? We should think that way. Not that everything is just money. Oh, if we could just make more money, we just make more. You know, some people can they can they can kill their mother for money. So esteem earthly things lightly. Secondly, be willing and obedient. Be willing and obedient. Qualification for, qualifications for prosperity. Isaiah 119 says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. So we must be willing and obedient. Willing and obedient to do what? Well, to do God's word. To do God's word. Be willing and obedient to do God's word. You know, sometimes people have this idea about prospering. Some people think, well, as long as I can settle Baba God, I just need to settle him. Make her just settle him. Just settle him. You know? See people that do crooked business. But they believe that, look, as long as I'm giving in church, I'm okay. After all, I've settled God. Yeah. You know there are armed robbers that tithe. Did you know? Yeah, there are. And they believe that as long as they're tithing, that they're covered, that they're insured, that God will help them not to be caught. You know, there are 419 people that give. Listen, God is more interested in your heart than he is your money. Yes. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said, the tithe of mint, of anise, and of cumin. said, but the weightier matters of the law, mercy, justice, and faith, they've left. Said this they ought to have done and not have left the other also. 
Yes, Jesus advocated the tithe. We'll get there in the second service. But you see, he's, he made it clear that our heart comes first. Be willing and obedient to do God's word. See, God is an all or none. God is an all or none. If we are, sometimes some people are obeying God in one area and they are disobeying him in another area. Eventually, that area where you are disobeying God will catch up with you on that area where you are even trying to obey him. So let's do all of his word. Let's do all of his will. Let's be sold out to God. What he has revealed to us in his word. And you know, you know, you can do something, but do it unwillingly. You can do it, and in your heart, you are doing it grudgingly. It's like, which take, oh, don't kill my child. You know, don't kill me. You know, which take, oh, this is God's self. Before, if someone doesn't do it now, mm, mm, ish, let's go do it for him. You know, mm, let's give him a sacrifice so he will let us be. No, we can't obey God with that kind of attitude. We must be excited about it. Now, there's some times when our will and God's will will seem to clash. God may want us to do something and in, in the natural, we just don't want to do it. Like Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass over me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So you see, we have to be consecrated to his will, consecrated to his plans. Be willing and obedient to do God's word, all of God's word. And also, to follow the plan of God for our lives. To follow the plan of God for our lives. I know an individual. God's hand is on him to the ministry. But his attitude was always, look, God, I want to prosper first. Then I will now go and do ministry. I want to prosper first. And you know, that prosperity, he has just been seeing it in front. He hasn't been able to get there. It's the other way. If you be willing and obedient, what did God tell you to do? What is God's plan for your life? Of course, am I saying, for instance, if you're called to ministry, you should abandon your work tomorrow and do ministry full-time. That's what I'm saying. There's wisdom in those things. And it may not be ministry. It may be some other direction God has given you for your life. It may be some other instruction, you know, God has laid on your heart. We need to be willing and obedient. Obey God and do it willingly with all of our hearts. With all of our hearts. And then the third qualification for prosperity is that we need to renew our minds. We need to renew our minds. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. The Bible says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, we are to get our minds renewed with the word of God concerning prosperity. Many times, in many areas, we think wrong. Your thinking determines your believing. Your believing determines your speaking. And our words dominate us. If we think wrong, as long as a person is holding us to this thinking that, ah, money is of the devil. Money is not good. Oh, you know, you know the Bible says the prosperity of fools will destroy them. Someone say, I don't want to be prosperous. So don't you know the prosperity of fools will destroy them? Then I asked her, I said, are you a fool? <laughs> are you a fool? It's fools that prosperity will destroy. You see, money is an amplifier. It's neither good nor bad. Money will bring out whatever is in your heart. Someone said, ah, me, I don't want money. As soon as that man had more money now, he started chasing after women. He always wanted to chase after women. He just didn't have the money to do it. So when he had the money, he did it. It was in his heart. So money is not the problem. It's our hearts. So we have to renew our thinking, renew our minds concerning prosperity about the fact that God wants us to prosper. So don't forget, we are looking at seven important things about prosperity. We said number one, it is God's will that we prosper. We said number two, there are qualifications for walking in prosperity. And what are those qualifications? We said, first, estimately things likely. We said, second, be willing and obedient. We said, third, renew your mind about prosperity. God wants us prosperous. All right. We've talked about two things now. 
I'll say a third. Seven most important things about prosperity. First, I have given. God wants us to prosper. It's his will. Second, there are qualifications for walking in prosperity. Third, we have authority in the area of finances. We have authority in the area of finances. We have authority. But you know, this is a truth that many of us don't know like we should. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. I read from verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. 28. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So you see, all the wealth. Do you know there is enough wealth on this earth to go around everybody? Did you know that? There's enough wealth. Now, there are minerals, gold, oil, all kinds of rich uh, minerals that are in the earth provisions that are on the earth fish animals livestock that are in the earth question who did god put all that wealth on the earth for is it for the devil and the devil's children no he put it there for his man adam in psalm 8 verses 4 and 5 the bible says what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him since thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, that's the word Elohim, the Hebrew word Elohim was always translated angels there, which actually should have been translated God. Thou hast made him a little lower than God. Thou hast crowned him with glory and honor. Since thou hast put all things under his feet. In one sense of the word, originally Adam was the God of this world. He called the shots. He ruled. He reigned. He dominated everything. The gold, everything was under his jurisdiction because it was made for him but you see adam committed high treason he sold out to the devil you know in haggai chapter 2 verse 8 the bible says the gold is mine the silver is mine the gold and the silver belong to god in psalm 50 verse 10 the bible says the cattle on a thousand hills belong to god they belong to him because he owns it. He created everything. He owns everything. In Psalm 24 verse 1, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He created the whole earth. He created everything on the earth. He owns everything. He didn't make it for the devil. He didn't make it for his kids so that the devil's children, you know, can be doing well. You know, some people will say, ha, ah, that's your church. Look at, look at, how will you be doing glass pulpits? Glass pulpits? What kind of thing is that? What kind of thing is that? Hey, how will you be having TV in church and putting all those things? But the same people, they can go to a nightclub and they can see neon sign doing shang, 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 and then they feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then, you know, they, 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 I, until they started saying, when they want to talk about poverty, they say that guy is poor as a church rat. First, they are in rats in church. You know, church rats. As if rats. If when you are looking for rats, just go to church. Then boku boku berekete. Rats. Just they fly everywhere. What an insult. And then church rats. Listen, even if there was rats in church, it would be fat. Amen. But you see, that's the mindset. God didn't put all that wealth here for the devil and his children. God put it here for his man, Adam. But Adam committed high treason. He sold out to the devil. God had told him, you may eat of all the trees of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat of it. The day you eat of it, you will die. The literal 
uh, Hebrew actually says, in dying you will die. Well, you know the story. Adam did the unthinkable. He bowed the knee to God's enemy. He disobeyed God. Romans 6.16 says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, of obedience unto righteousness. So he yielded himself. He bowed the knee. He went to do rankadeide to the devil. And then the devil said, My boy, my boy, my boy. And then the devil took his dominion from him and now began to oppress him and now booted him out of the things that he should be enjoying. And that's what we see today. In Luke chapter 4, from verse 5 to 8, one of the temptations of Jesus, the devil showed him the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And he said to him, he said, all this authority is delivered to me. He said, to whomsoever I will, I give it. He told Jesus, if you fall down, worship me, it will be yours. Now, some people have said, the devil was just being the liar that he is when he said that. Listen, I know the devil is a liar. But you see that one, it wasn't a lie. Because it was a temptation. If it was a temptation, it meant the devil had something to offer him. That's why it was a temptation. How did he become the devil's? Adam made it the devil's. Now, the devil doesn't own it. God still is the owner. God didn't turn over ownership of his creation to Adam. No. What God gave Adam was dominion over it. It was that dominion that Adam handed over to the devil. Was it right? No, Adam did not have a moral right to do what he did. But he had a legal right to do it. It was a legal transaction. It was binding. God had to honor it. And that's how the devil began his reign of terror. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, In whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So, the New Testament calls the devil the God of this world. Jesus called him the prince of this world. You see, he has authority here. In that sense, he's a rebel holder of man's authority. And until Adam's lease runs out, the devil is going to be here. But listen, the good news is that that's not where the story ends. That Adam was only the first Adam. There was and is a second Adam. Glory to God. Who also happens to be the last Adam. And what did he do? The Bible tells us in Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. Triumphing over them in it. In Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14. The Bible says who, talking about God the Father, has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You see, as believers in Christ, we have an actual redemption from the devil's dominion. The moment you took Jesus as your savior and confessed him as your Lord, Satan's dominion over you ended. It ceased. So you are no longer in the devil's kingdom. We are now in God's kingdom. We are now in God's family. We are in a different kingdom. We are in a different family. Satan is no longer our Lord. He may be God of this world, but he's not my God. He may have authority in this world, but doesn't have authority over me. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, it says, much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Where to reign? Kings reign. You are a king now. You've got authority now. The devil has been defeated. Jesus brought him to naught. You see, there is an intelligence. There, you see, poverty is not just material. It's primarily spiritual. Yeah, it is. There is an intelligence that is working behind the scenes that wants to keep money from coming to you. There are spiritual forces that want you to be broke. It's not until there's somebody in the village somewhere, there is a devil. He hates your gods. He doesn't want you to have. Yes, he wants you broke. He knows that if you have money now, you'll be giving. 
so that the work of God can advance. He knows that if you have money now, you will eat well, you look well. And when you look well, it makes God look well. He doesn't want God to look well. He knows now, when you have money now, you'll be able to help the poor. He doesn't want you helping the poor. He doesn't want us to have a voice. You know, there's money you have, eh? and in your state, when they want to determine who will be the next governor, they will try to talk to you because you can push it the other way for them because you have the money that it takes. You know some of these things. You know money. The Bible says money is a defense. You know, the Bible says money answers all things. Yeah, of course, we must take that in context. But what I'm saying is this. God wants us to have influence. Yes, there's, there's some influence that being, having money gives you is a fact. Whether you accept it, you don't accept it, it's a fact. It's a fact. And God wants us to be a blessing. He wants resources in our hands. Material resources. Financial resources. You know? I'm holding a microphone now, right? You know? When um, this microphone was going to be bought, uh, did the pastor just go to the people that said, I say, uh, we're a church, see my ID card, see our incorporation papers, we need this microphone. And those people just say, ah, take, take, take. How many do you want? Just take all of them. Just take all of them. Since you're a church, just take them. In fact, anytime you even want more, just come and be taking them. Is that how it works? They will call police on you. In fact, they will first beat the person there. Uh, who is this thief? Is that not what? Yeah. So God wants us to have, and we have authority over that devil who wants us to be poor. Now, there's a, there's a, uh, there are some other things, and we're going to get into that. The place of work and all that. I'll talk about that in the second service. But you see, we have authority in the area of finances. We have authority in the area of finances. And we need to exercise it. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. The word power there is the Greek word exousia. And the better translation of it is authority. All authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Then in the very next verse, verse 19, he turned that authority to the church and said, go therefore. So Jesus has delegated his authority to the church. Through the use of his name. In Mark 16, 17, he said, and these signs shall follow them that believe. The first of the signs, in my name shall they cast out devils. In my name shall they exercise authority over the devil. So through the use of the name of Jesus, we can exercise authority over the devil. Whatever it is you need or want, you can claim it in the name of Jesus. You can. You can. You see, faith works the same in all realms. Yes, we learned about faith for the new birth. We got born again. We learned about faith for the baptism in the Holy Ghost. We got filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. We learned about faith for physical healing. And then we began to walk in health. But you see, faith works also in the area of material and financial prosperity. Claim what you need or want. Then tell the devil to take his hands off of it. Tell him to. He will. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because we've got a legal right to use that name. The authorities in that name. And then, thirdly, say go ministering spirits and cost the money to come. Or whatever it is. Learn to say that. Be specific about what you need. Now, you see, let me also say this. Faith grows. Faith grows. Don't come and start and say, I'm believing God for 100 million naira. And you haven't believed God for 100 naira yet. No, faith grows. Start from where you are at. And then continue to believe God. Then your faith will grow. Until a time will come, you believe for things that are beyond your wildest dreams in the natural. Someone says, ha, that part about... I understand claiming what we need. Yes, that makes sense. God has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He, he said uh, in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. I understand the part of claiming what I need or want. Yes. 
I understand the part of saying, Satan, take your hands off of it. Yes, because it's the devil trying to keep it from me. You see, they, they don't have naira in heaven. Did you know that? They don't spend naira. They don't have dollar in heaven. They don't have pounds in heaven. They don't have yen in heaven. They don't have any of those things. So, if you pray, oh God, I'm asking you to give me money. God is not going to send money from heaven. The money you need, the money you want is here on this earth. It's the devil and his influences trying to keep it from coming to you. So that's why what you need to do is to claim it, tell the devil to take his hands off of it, and then you say, go ministering spirits and cost the money to come. So said that part of saying go ministering spirits, how far? Now, in Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Verses 13 and 14. Bible was talking about angels that they excel, they're ministering spirits. Verse 14 says, and they are sent forth to minister for them, which are, shall be the heirs of salvation. Notice that it says they are sent forth to minister for them. To minister for them. To minister for them. Are they not all ministering spirits? Talking about angels, sent forth to minister for them, who shall be the heirs of salvation. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say to minister to them. It says to minister for them. Minister for means they wait on us. Anybody here, you've ever been to a restaurant? Can I see your hand? You've ever been to a restaurant? Mama put any of it. Okay, let's say in that restaurant, they now come to take your order. And when the person comes to take your order, you know, that person has been sent to minister for you. So the person will say, what do you want, ma? What do you want, sir? The person is waiting for you to place your order. It's the order you place that will determine the food they will bring. See, angels are waiting on us. They are waiting for us to make our orders. Now, is it that you can say, angel, go and bring my shoe. Angel, go and start my car. No, 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 no. But you see, this... Just like demons. You know, the devil is only in one place at a time. He's not everywhere. He has evil spirits that do his bidding. You know that. That do his bidding all over the place. In the same way, there are angels. And they influence things. Somebody will just wake up in the morning and just say, Ah, you know, maybe I should give this guy a cow. He doesn't know where the thought came from. Maybe one angel came and said, about this car why don't you give it to so and so yeah and he he thinks it's his thoughts an angel whispered it into his ears he says maybe i should give him and then I, he says eh, i he goes to meet his wife angel has also whispered in the wife's ears what about telling your husband that what if he does this and his wife now says you know i was just thinking this morning that maybe you should he said eh, ah, that's the same thing i was thinking oh mm, i'm going to do it yes let me also say this. Luke 6.38, the Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Notice, it doesn't say, Shall Christians give into your bosom. It says, Shall men, shall men, shall men, believers, unbelievers alike, shall men. Are you listening? Those angels, you've been bidding for that contract. They've gone to hide your file. An angel can just come and tell that guy, remove that file from where you are hiding it. Remove it. Remove it. And he just says, hey, it's as if I should remove this file. Though. Let me just remove it from where I've been hiding it. Put it on a gas table. A gas table. A gas table. He puts it on a gas table. When a guy comes to, the same angel is saying, ah, that guy, you know, that guy is a good guy. You know that guy. You know, his interview was excellent. You know, that guy. You know, he's the one that should get that contract to. Don't give that contract to anyone. And the man just keeps saying, don't give the contract to anyone else. Don't give the contract to anyone else. He gets inside his car, don't give the contract to anyone else. He gets to the office, don't give the contract to anyone else. Hey, okay, this contract that I shouldn't give to anyone, let me go give him right now. Oh yeah, call this guy, call this guy. Let's give him his contract. Amen. Psalm 103 verse 20 says that the angels, they excel in strength and they hearken to the voice of God's word. Who gives voice to God's word? We do. We do. We do. Speak the word of God. Amen. So we said number one, it's God's will that we prosper. We said number two, there are qualifications for walking in prosperity. Number three, we have authority 
in the area of finances and we need to exercise it. Use your authority. Amen. And how do you use it? Three things. Number one, claim what you need or want in the name of Jesus. Claim it. You can. Now, like I said, don't start from something big. Faith grows. So start from something small and then gradually increase it. Number two, tell the devil, Satan, take your hands off of my money. Off of your car, off of your house, off of whatever it is. Off of your contract, off of your job. Then number three, say go ministering spirits and cause it to come. See, once you've said that, that's it, it's settled. You've prayed about it. You've taken authority over it. It's done. So anytime you remember, just thank God and say the money will come. It's on the way. The money will come. It's on the way. And it will come. It will come. Because where the word of a king is, there's power. A king has spoken. You are that king. You've used your authority. And it will come to pass. Now, the fourth point, which is where I'm going to stop in this service. Learn to speak faith-filled words about your finances. Learn to speak faith-filled words about your finances. Learn to speak faith-filled words about your finances. Number one, I said it's God's will for us to prosper. Number two, there are qualifications for working in prosperity. Number three, we have authority in the area of finances and we need to exercise it. Number four, learn to speak faith-filled words about your finances. It's a scriptural principle and a spiritual law that our words dominate us. Our words dominate us. In Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Jesus said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. In Romans 10.10, 10, the Bible says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we see the same principle, believing and speaking, believing and confessing. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, We have in the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Listen, you will have what you say. You will. It's a fact. If you keep talking about the lack of finances, it will stop the money from coming in. If you talk sickness, it will develop sickness in your system. You see, yes, there may be COVID out there, but I'm not permitting it in my body. Amen. My body is the healer's temple. The spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. He quickens my mortal body. There may be economic recession, depression out there, but I'm not partaking in it. I'm not participating in it. Hey, you know, there's no money in town. I'm not joining them to say that kind of thing. Do you know some people became billionaires last year? Billionaires, billionaires in the midst of pandemic. Yes, there's money. Oh. You know, some people say, ah, you know, there's no money in this country. Spit it out. Who told you that lie? There's money. There's money. The money hasn't evaporated. There are jobs. There are opportunities. This situation has brought fresh opportunities. Just for us to be creative. And we have God's wisdom. And I'll get to some of those things in the second service. So my point is this. Learn to speak faith-filled words. Rather than saying, eh, they say we should tight. I've been tight all these years. Eh? But I'm still broke. Oh. Well, and you're going to stay broke too. If that's what you say. Eh, they say we should give. I've been giving, oh, eh, and uh, I'm just broke. Yeah, you haven't seen broke yet. Yeah, it's just rehearsal that you are doing. The real broke is on the way because he shall have whatsoever he saith. What are you saying? What are you saying? How about saying, My God supplies all my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus? What about saying, The Lord is my shepherd, I do not want? What about saying, I know the grace of my Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor. And so I, through his poverty, I am rich. What about saying, 
God makes all grace abound towards me. And so I have in always all sufficiency. In all things, I abound unto every good work. What about saying that? Say, but, 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 but I don't have it. That's why you are saying it. The Bible says he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's why you are saying it. So that you will have it. Because you are going to have what you say. You are going to have what you say. Charles Cap said in 1973, the Lord told him, said, I told my people that they will have what they say. But my people are saying what they have. And as a result, they are establishing the problem. Hey, I don't have money. Oh. Hey, you know, there's no money anywhere. You know, this my business is going down. You know, customers are not calling anymore. You know, market is not selling. Shut up. Stop that kind of talk. Stop that kind of talk. You see, that may be a fact in the natural. That may be what you're experiencing, right? But you know that God calls the things that be not as though they were. And where's children? Where's children? So in the face of symptoms of sickness, you should call yourself healed. In the face of seeming defeat and apparent contradiction, you should call yourself victorious. In the face of lack, Lack is standing naked in front of you. Need, want, everything. The, the deadline for the fees is, 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 is around the corner. Rent is due. No money anywhere. What should you say? My God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. My needs are met. My wants are supplied. Money is coming to me. I'm favored of God. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from me because I walk uprightly. I obey God and I serve him. So I spend my days in prosperity and my years in pleasures. See, that's what faith does. Faith speaks the word of God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situations. Child of God, I got news for you. You know, this is going to be my best year so far. It's going to be. You know why? Because that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Let me tell you something. More money came to me last year than I had ever seen in my life. That's a fact. That's a fact. I gave more last year than I had ever given in my life. That's a fact. I'm telling you what happened to me. Yeah, you know why? Because of what I say. Because of what I say. I talk abundance. I call myself prosperous. I call myself rich. I call my needs met. And they are met. What are you saying? What are you saying? Let's do some speaking. Let's do some speaking. You need to take authority over the devil. Go ahead and do that. You need to claim something that you need. Claim something that you want. The rent that's due. The children's school fees that's due. The payment that's due. The loan that you took that's due to be paid back. Take authority. Exercise your authority in those situations. Claim what you need or want. Tell the devil to take his hands off of it. Tell the angels, ministering spirits, go forth and cause it to come. And begin to speak abundance. Begin to speak abundance. Begin to speak abundance. Begin to speak provision. Because that's what the word of God says. That's what the word of God says. That's what the word of God says. Amen. With every head bowed and eye closed. Maybe you're here today. And you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. See, that's the most important thing. Amen. That's the most important thing. Anybody like that, could you just lift up your hand with every head bowed and eye closed, saints praying. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. And you want to come into the family of God. Just lift up your hand where you are. Anybody like that. Lift up your hand. Lift it above your head. Lift it so I can see it. Lift it. Oh, thank you, sir, for that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? You want to receive Jesus into your heart and come into God's family and get in a covenant relationship with this good God that we're talking about who wants our needs met who is a father amen now my brother this is what I would like for you to do sir just come right here you know Jesus said if you confess him before men he'll confess you before his father he said if we deny him before men he'll deny him before his father amen and just say this from your heart say it because you mean it say heavenly father I come to you in the name of Jesus I realize I'm a sinner and I cannot save myself. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. 
I believe he died for me and that he was raised from the dead right now I take Jesus as my Savior and I confess him as my Lord thank you because I'm saved I'm a child of God I'm the righteousness of God I'm a new creature thank you father in Jesus name now um, uh, sir could you just see that man he just wants to uh, he'll get you filled with the Holy Ghost this morning amen and give you some material on how you can grow in your walk with God isn't that exciting amen teaching about prosperity and the lost is getting saved yeah because we're talking about the good God the wonderful father amen let's lift up our hands to God and just praise him and just bless him